What up, guys? Welcome to episode number five of Tackles and Turnovers. I am joined again by my co-host, Stephen Sheehan. Uh, it's been a crazy week. Um, not really. Psych. Um, but obviously, it's a little slow, so we do the best we can with the news that comes out. <clears throat> and uh, we're just going to cover a few of the free agent stuff that's going down a little bit. Um, and then we're going to deep dive into the NFC North. And uh, it'll be interesting. So, Sheehan, how you doing, man? Uh, doing pretty well. You know, uh, the Patriots haven't done anything crazy to get draft picks taken away and no, uh, you know, controversies so far. Other than Tom Brady supposedly uh, wearing out his welcome with Josh McDaniels, which I think is kind of funny. But uh, it's a little bit of a slow time. But I know we have to start out with some sad news. So I'm going to, you know, let you take the lead on that as the Dolphins fan, uh, you know, uh, an RIP moment uh of this episode yeah so uh don shula uh, unfortunately he passed away uh this past monday um and it's not it's not due to anything other than uh you know complications of just being a little bit old but uh you know definitely a little sad uh he was definitely before my time but growing up as a dolphins fan down here in south florida um you could just kind of tell uh, that he's basically kind of the king down here. You know, everything goes through him, and, you know, you see him at every preseason game. You see him, like, at every Dolphins game. Um, and de- de- Just one of the guys that spearheaded the undefeated season by those Dolphins that I don't think will ever be repeated. Um, the NFL all-time leader in wins. Um, someone that you know, is definitely near and dear if you're a South Florida fan. Um, so it's unfortunate. Um, I don't want to sound cruel or anything, but I felt like it was about time, you know, that, you know, just seeing him on the golf cart every now and then when the TV pants him, um, you kind of could just see the health there deteriorating a little bit, but always with a smile on his face. Um, but, yeah, uh, we lost a good one, man. Definitely. Uh, one of the NFL greats, um, and, you know, God rest his soul, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, even as a Patriots fan, a lot of respect. You know, obviously Bill Belichick is trying to chase Don Shula's all-time wins record. Uh, it's going to be difficult for him considering, you know, Tom Brady's gone, Belichick's getting up there in age. So that's going to be something interesting to watch. Uh, you know, he's a guy that obviously respects history, and I don't think that it's – not in his sights, but it's going to be difficult. And, um, you know, there's just one story I have to share about Don Shula that I wrote about for sportscasting.com. And it was a great way to show how Don Shula disciplined his players and kind of had him fall in line, which was, you know, something that was very important, obviously living in South Florida in the eighties, you know, you kind of run into a, some of these, uh, <laughs> crazy things off the field, you know? Okay. And, uh, so there was a, a pretty funny story, interesting story that, um, Jeff Darlington uh, talked about on ESPN after Don Shula passed and he, you know, covered the dolphins for years as a reporter. Um, and he relayed this really cool story about how he was able to withhold uh, or uphold curfew rules. So basically one time when they're at a team hotel, he gave a valet attendant a football along with a Sharpie. And he told them that any player or anyone that comes through these doors at night after midnight, I want you to get their autograph. So then the next day, Don Shula gets on, you know, up in front of the bus in front of the team and he reads all the names off of the football. 
And when he's done, he told everyone who had their names read out loud that they've been benched for the first half of the game. So he basically duped the players against themselves by with their own autographs, signed, sealed, and delivered. I think that was just <laughs> a really funny way of, um, you know, Don Shula, you know, exacting his power over the Dolphins. And um, I think that would definitely make them think twice about giving out a free autograph. So that's, you know, just a funny little Don Shula story that I wrote about that, that Jeff Darlington, you know, told the world. But um, obviously, rest in peace to uh, the NFL's all-time winningest coach. And it's going to be interesting to see if Bill Belichick you know, ultimately surpasses him on that list. Uh, it's going to be very difficult in a new, you know, era for the Patriots. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's something that we will be focusing on in the next few years, obviously with Jared Stidham possibly taking over and, you know, the Dolphins have their own transition happening. And, you know, I don't think there's ever going to be another coach that comes close to that. And if Bill Belichick can't do it, I don't think anyone's coming near Don Shula's record. Yeah. And um, just one more thing before we move on. Uh, you know, I remember – me and my dad, my dad's probably like one of the biggest homegrown Dolphin fans there is out there. Um, actually used to even cover the Dolphins for CBS4. Um, and he, you know, interviewed Don Shula a lot and, you know, had to go with interns. And just a, a story that my dad had told me um, is, you know, my dad's a cameraman, so he would take an intern and the intern uh, was in charge of, not in charge, but was tasked with, you know, finding out a question and asking the question. And, you know, Don Shula, just the way that he apparently um, composed themselves in the in the media room, uh, it's like, you know, he's like, who's this guy asking this intern, making up this bullshit question and asking me and stuff. Um, so definitely just a hard ass. And I love the way that he used to coach back in the day. Um, with using the South Florida elements, I thought that played big into how the Dolphins were able to go undefeated. Um, but it's a different time. Uh, we're in a different era of the NFL. Um, and you can't necessarily have two days anymore like that. Um, so uh, with that, RIP to uh, one of the greats, Don Shula. Um, and now we're moving on to uh, the team that he used to whoop on most with the Jets. And they had a, uh, a signing that, depending on how you look at it, it's definitely a head-scratcher. Um, they just signed Frank Gore, a 37-year-old running back, um, when, you know, the the stereotype is when you hit 30 for a running back, you get the back the <clears throat> wrong side of 30, you start going down the cliff. But, you know, as a Dolphin fan, we had this guy, not last season, but the season before, um, and he was one of our best running backs. And, you know, especially as a UM fan, um, I, I root for him no matter what team he's on. Um, he's such a great player. Um, if you're a fan of the NFL, you just have to like Frank Gore. Um, but looking at it from the Jets side of it, what the fuck here? You know, you have Le'Veon Bell. You just gave him a massive contract last season. And, you know, you bring in this 37-year-old running back who I guess could teach Le'Veon Bell how to focus more in the meeting room or whatever. Um, I don't want to speculate, you know, but it you're bringing in Frank Gore for some sort of reason, whether it's to lighten the load even more on Le'Veon Bell, who I feel like they already had it light on him last season. I don't think they used him well enough. I don't think they used him enough, period. Um, but, you know, I, what do you think? What do you think about this Frank Gore signing with the Jets? Yeah, well, uh, for sportscasting.com, I 
you know, obviously took a glance at this and, you know, kind of wrote a fairly strong editorial about it. And in my opinion, you know, this sends Le'Veon Bell a serious message. And the the New York Jets signed him to a $52 million contract a year ago. He really didn't live up to it at all. Adam Gase reportedly wasn't even a fan of signing him in the first place, which shows a lot about the power structure there in New York. Um, and it's not like Frank Gore is about to, you know, send Le'Veon Bell to the bench, but I definitely think that it is a message that they are trying to send that he needs to get his act together and that he may not be around for long if, uh, you know, he doesn't live up to the potential. You know, Frank Gore is obviously aging. He's not a guy that's going to take away a ton of carries, but if you look at his skill set and you pair it with their fourth round pick, LaMichael Pirine from Florida. Um, I think they could actually do like a decent, you know, job in the event that Le'Veon Bell's gone or whatnot. So ultimately I don't think Frank Gore is, you know, going to run for a thousand yards at age 455, but you know, the guy, you don't sign a guy like that after you've already invested such heavy, big money into Le'Veon Bell a year ago. And then you spend a fourth round pick on another running back this year. Uh, To me, that's kind of sending a signal that, Le'Veon Bell might not be around for long. And, you know, obviously Frank Gore isn't the future, but you kind of know what you're getting there. And if you can get kind of the pass catching chops from your fourth rounder and P Ryan, and then you let Frank Gore, you know, get some goal line carries, you know, you know, maybe Le'Veon Bell doesn't have as many opportunities as we thought. And ultimately I think the signing was a major miss as we've talked about before. I think giving running backs big money is a huge mistake. Um, you know, the, the Cowboys might regret that with Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know, the Rams obviously did with Todd Gurley, David Johnson, you know, got cut or, you know, traded by the Cardinals. And I think that Le'Veon Bell is just going to be another one of those big busts as a, a huge running back signing that ultimately doesn't pan out. Yeah. And what's crazy too is, you know, you've seen since 2015 when he first signed with the Colts, um, it looked like his job was, you know, his job going forward in the league um, was sort of going to be to mentor running backs uh, with the Colts with, you know, Marlon Mack and then coming to Miami. And then hopefully their goal was to help establish um, shit. I hate when I go blank. They have the two running backs, one from Arizona State. It'll, the name will hit me in a little bit. I know it will. Balage. Balage. Kalen Balage. Yes, sir. And, um, and so that was the goal there. Um, and then last year, again, with Buffalo, as you mentioned, with Devin Singletary. Um, so it's definitely interesting to see what the Jets are going to be doing with him. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. It's the Jets. Um, but I'm happy for Frank Gore. Um, just a standout player to be doing what he's doing at the age of 37 at a, as a running back. Um, you got to appreciate that. Um, so going now to one of my favorite news um, of the week. Um, Tua Tungavailoa, he signed his four-year $30.2 million deal. Um, the deal is fully guaranteed and comes with a fifth-year team option. Uh, and, you know, I guess you could go over a little bit more of what that contract exactly is. If you want, go ahead. Sure. So one of the unique things about Tua, obviously, being <laughs> concerns about his long-term health and durability and uh, today, Ian Rappaport reported that of uh, to his $19.6 million signing bonus, he's actually going to receive 85% of that before the month of June begins, which is a pretty staggering amount when you consider that's about $11.5 million. And for most players, you know, they typically get that bonus, you know, prorated throughout the 
duration of their contract. But the Dolphins are, you know, really putting their money where their mouth is and front loading that deal for a guy that is coming off a serious injury. We haven't seen him play football since November. He didn't participate in the combine. You know, he had his little pro day that with Trent Dilfer that was filmed. But, you know, there's obviously a lot of uncertainty about where this guy's at health wise and long term if this is going to be a problem. So, you know, the Dolphins kind of did right by him to give him such a significant, you know, amount of his bonus up front. So he's taken care of. And now I think the real onus is just on him getting healthy and ready for the season. You know, I kind of wrote about that today with the uh, with sportscasting.com. But I definitely, you know, as we've talked about before, I think that, you know, Tua, a healthy Tua, more importantly, can really help turn this franchise around immediately. If he's on the field in 2020, considering how much change has gone on with the Patriots and the AFC being fairly wide open um, and also adding a seventh playoff team. I would not be surprised to see the Dolphins take a big leap forward. You know, they won five games last year with a are probably you could say the least talented roster in football, if not one of the bottom three. And they've done a really nice job, as we've discussed in previous episodes, about adding Kyle Van Noy and Byron Jones and a bunch of other veterans on their defense. Uh, you know, a defense that ranked dead last in the NFL in points allowed last year. So there's only one way to go but up. And on offense, they get a left tackle of the future. They get their quarterback of the future. They have actually a pretty decent supporting cast from the receiver standpoint. The offensive line has been upgraded as well. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, the Dolphins competing. You know, I see, like, their floor, honestly, if Tua's in there as, as like, an eight-win type of team, seven, eight wins. Like, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem unfathomable to, to see them make that kind of leap. And that's only two or three games. And, you know, if Tua's Tua from – a year or two ago when he was at his best. I mean, that's a guy that led Alabama, you know, deep, deep into the college football playoff. Um, And granted, he doesn't have the same type of weapons, you know, being surrounded by a bunch of first round talent at Alabama makes you look pretty good. But I still think this guy's going to be a stud as long as he can stay healthy. So good for him to get a huge, you know, chunk of that signing bonus up front and good by the Dolphins to reward a guy that they obviously feel is the face of the franchise. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of the crazy thing too, is that, you know, you front load this contract. Um, so for me, like, I don't know necessarily what that means in terms of like, is he going to start the season starting? Um, you know, are you going to rest him the season and, you know, maybe bring him in year two and, you know, kind of give him the Patrick Mahomes uh, treatment or, you know, so it's definitely kind of like, eye-opening and definitely throws like a monkey wrench into everybody saying about how he's he has to sit and you know he's not healthy to play but I feel like if you're gonna front load him and give him all this money guaranteed you know I feel like the Dolphins have to love well I don't know if love is the word but you know they have to like um what they saw in his medicals um coming out um so um I guess that's pretty much it in terms of NFL free agency um, so I guess today we're going to go into the NFC North. Um, and I was talking to you a little bit about it, about how it just, this division just seems so dim and gloomy, I guess. Um, but, uh, we're going to start with, we're going to start from the bottom and work our way up. So that we're going to start with the worst teams in NFL, uh, NFC North. Um, and then finish off with a team that we think is, uh, probably going to lead the division. Um, and you know, that's going to be the Detroit lions. And, you know, I, I don't even know where to start with this team. I don't want to start it off like ripping them. Like I ripped the Cowboys in the last episode. Um, 
but I didn't necessarily like their draft. Um, I'm a big carry on Johnson fan. So for me to see um, DeAndre Swift get taken there at two, I get that he's a big playmaker. Um, and I guess the Lions are, the, you know, void of that. Um, but, you know, for me, I am definitely a Matthew Stafford fan. Um, I guess we'll find out how you feel about him because this team definitely rides on the coattails of Matthew Stafford, the former number one pick in 2009. Um, but the biggest thing, my, the biggest gripe with me here is the Matt Patricia head coach. Um, I don't know how you feel about him. I personally can't stand watching him roam the sidelines with a fucking pencil in his, in his hat. Um, and then when I saw it, when he was – you know, the camera was panning to him in the draft that he still had that stupid fucking number two pencil on his cap. Just makes no sense because the papers that he's holding is fucking laminated. Hello. Like, and then not only that, if you, if you even use the paper, you know, but the NFL has a huge contract with windows. So you see all these surfaces everywhere. Um, but I digress. The Patriots, um, I, they brought in a bunch of Patriot, uh, did I say the Patriots brought a bunch of Patriots? I mean, they're basically Patriots North, even that, though they suck. That's exactly what they did. So I meant the Lions brought in a bunch of ex-Patriots with Jamie Collins, um, defensive tackle Danny Shelton, um, who I kind of like. I kind of like those big, burly defensive tackles that could just eat up blockers. Um, and then safety, Deron Harmon. I guess you'll go more into it a little bit because you're a Patriots fan and you know you know how they play. Um, but they start off the draft getting Jeff Okuda at number three. Um, you know, the relatively safe pick there, I feel like. Um, I feel like if you were going to go for a boomer, like, I guess since you're picking so high, you kind of have to go safe, but um, I digress again. Um, <laughs> uh, and then they got the DeAndre Swift running back and you know again i'm a huge carry on johnson fan um they lost graham glasgow um and i don't think they really did much to help solidify that um they don't really have any wide outs i can't name one other than geronimo allison who i know they just you know signed this for this offseason um but i guess they're just stuck with mediocre receivers and in my eyes an elite quarterback um so they get stuck with the bottom spot of the nfc north what do you think yeah, I absolutely think they're the worst team in the division, but they could be a lot better if they actually had a real head coach. And now I'm going to just start off on one of my typical uh, <laughs> destructive rants because I still do not forgive Matt Patricia. And this makes a lot of sense now that you brought, that you brought up the pencil aspect. That must have been the reason why he designed the worst defensive game plan I've ever seen in a Super Bowl when he let Nick Foles beat Tom Brady <laughs> by just literally letting him throw all over a a completely overmatched secondary. This is the same guy that brought in Tavon Wilson who from New England when he went to Detroit who was an absolute horrible horrible draft pick by Bill Belichick. He then, you know, goes out and pretty much tries to import half of the team that he had in like 2016, 2017 and brings them over. Now they signed Trey Flowers to a huge deal last year. Um 
you know, he was always a very, very, very solid player in New England, but I would never have put Trey Flowers as like a Pro Bowl All-Pro type. He just played really great in big games and was like a just very solid, consistent guy. But he's not a double-digit sack artist. They paid him like $90 million. Danny Shelton I do like because he is a very stout defensive tackle who actually was probably one of the more underrated players on the Patriots defense last year. Jamie Collins, if you paid this guy again, you're just a complete idiot because <laughs> the guy already proved before that when he was with the Patriots, he was awesome for about half a season. He did that in the first half of his career and then got paid by the Browns after they traded That's him because he didn't want to listen to Coach Belichick anymore. He sucked with the Browns. He got cut by the Browns, which is should be like the most embarrassing part of being in the NFL if you can't make it on the Browns. Then he came back to New England, played great for half a season, did nothing down the stretch, and then got paid again. So, like, that's <laughs> Wolves gold right there. Uh, Ron Harmon, they called him the finisher. Like, all he did was basically be in the right place at the right time for, like, tipped interceptions. If you think that guy's going to shut down the deep passing game, please watch any Patriots highlights and watch this guy arrive five seconds late over the top. All right. <laughs> I, I think their defense is is not going to be very good. I think they're overrated. I think Matt Patricia is a terrible head coach. He traded Darius Slay, which made no sense why he would alienate his best defensive player. I don't think he has any respect from the players at all. Their offense, sadly, is actually pretty good, but I just don't trust their coaching staff at all. Daryl Bevel was a terrible offensive coordinator with the Seahawks, and he's not doing too well with the Lions either. I love Matthew Stafford. If he was the Patriots' next guy after Tom Brady, I would be thrilled. Um, but that's not going to happen. But uh, honestly, when you look at their skill players, they're pretty stacked. Like DeAndre Swift and Carrion Johnson is a really nice backfield. I love Kenny Galladay. I think this guy would be an absolute like superstar if he played on any team other than Matt Patricia's. Um, he's going to get paid big time. Marvin Jones is a solid number two. You know, Danny Amendola is like basically uh, turned into a hobbit at this point for how long he's been around the NFL. But, you know, he's a decent little slot guy. But, I mean, this team, to me, like, I'm not impressed by the offensive line. I'm not impressed by the defense. I don't see a star pass rusher. I think even though he's trying to bring in all his New England guys, like, I just don't see it happening. I think Matt Patricia's done after this year. The Lions are probably, like, maybe, like, a six-win team somewhere around there. If Matt Stafford's healthy, maybe he, like, pulls out a couple extra ones and they're like eight and eight tops. But I think this is the last year of the Matt Patricia experiment and we can retire the number two pencil where it belongs <laughs> back in 1999. Uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but I want to go a little bit more into like Matthew Stafford. And I just feel like the Detroit lions just kind of robbed us from probably one of the most talented quarterbacks. I feel like we've ever seen. Cause that guy has a, freaking legit hauser um and you know i'm just looking at his numbers now with forty-one thousand career passing yards and 256 touchdowns to 134 interceptions like that ratio is fucking nuts and to to have done it on the on the lines like i know he had megatron early on in his career but i just He's just an absolute fucking gamer, dude. Like, to get, I saw one clip earlier this week of him. I can't remember who he played, but he got hurt, and he hurt one of his collarbones, got out, and the team that he was playing stupidly called a timeout. So he was able to, like, you know, jump, uh, like, rub some dirt on and get back in there, toss the game-winning touchdown, and, you know, I just – so for me, I feel like we definitely – spoiled a like top potential quarterback and you know it's kind of 
it's just kind of sad, you know. I, you know, I love Matthew Stafford, you know. Yeah, I think if you look at his career, it's actually really impressive that he managed to win like so many games with the Lions because they obviously had a horrible defense for most of his career. They they've had absolutely zero running game, like literally zero. They, yeah. I don't even know if they've had a thousand yard rusher or when the last time they did. I mean, you know, they tried with Javid Best and Mikel Deshore and like all these guys. Well, that's what like, I was saying with Carry On. I think Carry On Johnson got the first one hundred yard game. I don't know. I don't think it was last year, but it was his rookie year. Yes. And then they waste a second round pick on another running back. Like if they think that carry on Johnson's like injury prone, like I don't know really what to tell you because it's only a second year. So, you know, could that right. thought be creeping in there? Sure. But you could have drafted a running back later on and your team is full of holes. So, right. And then you spent, I mean, spending two second round picks in consecutive years on running backs doesn't seem like a smart strategy to me. Um, and, Going back to Stafford, like you look at him, the guy started all 16 games from 2011 to 2018. Last year was the first time he's gotten injured since like his second season in the league. And before he got injured, he had, you know, played eight games. He was actually on pace to have the best season of his career, a 19 to five touchdown interception ratio. He had a 106 quarterback rating, which blew any like blew all his previous numbers out of the water. Um, the guy had thrown for a ton of, almost uh, almost 2,500 yards in eight games. Like, he was on pace to, like, possibly lead that team into, like, a wild card area, territory. Yeah. And then you saw, like, how bad they were once he went down. And then if you look a little bit deeper into his stats, like, he actually has – he led the league in uh, game-winning drives in three of the last uh, five seasons that he was healthy. Uh, very underrated, and it's, all, it's pretty impressive to actually ever lead a comeback as a Lions player because they're pretty awful. I mean, literally – their two best players in franchise history retired because their team sucks so bad. So yes, long. yes. So when Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, who you could probably say are the two like most freakish athletes at their position ever, yep. um, they just literally walked away in their prime because they just couldn't deal with it anymore. Granted, Calvin Johnson had a lot of injuries, but I guarantee that the losing had a lot to do with it. Um, and another one thing about Matthew Stafford, which I think is crazy, and it probably speaks more to his team's lack of success and the fact that he plays in a market that isn't like even though it's Detroit, it doesn't really get a ton of pop, like you know publicity or whatnot. Right. He only he's only made one Pro Bowl in his entire career, 2014, and I just think that's insane. And you look at his stats and you're like, okay, I kind of get it. Like he hasn't hit 30 plus touchdowns since 2015. Granted, a lot of that had to do with Calvin Johnson, but this guy's like a really good quarterback, and I think. I think there are very few teams that would that would be unwilling to trade their current quarterback for Matt Stafford. Granted, you got your Lamars and Patrick Mahomes, those young guys, but like there's a good chunk of at least I would say like ten to twelve teams that would take Matthew Stafford over their current starting quarterback. Um, and it's really sad, like you said, because he's basically been in the league for a decade and has like zero playoff, you know, yeah, wins to show for it. He's lost all three of his uh, playoff starts. And he's actually hasn't been like terrible in all of them, but it's sad because I think ultimately he's going to kind of go down. I, I'm trying to think of like a good quarterback to compare him to that, like basically spent his whole career being super solid, but just wasn't surrounded by the right supporting talent. Yeah, um, but it's hard. I feel like he's, he's I feel like he's going to kind of venture into that territory of like what could have been if he was on a better team. Um, so unfortunately, I think you know the Lions are going to have another rough season. <clears throat> And they paid him a lot of money. And, you know, I have to say before I wasn't like a huge fan of his, but now like when I really look back on it and I look at his surroundings and like you look a little bit deeper into his stats and like just the respect he commands around the league, um, he's definitely like one of the more underrated quarterbacks of his generation. And 
when you look at how unsuccessful a lot of number one picks have been, and it's really crazy when you look at how bad the number one picks have been in the last like decade plus, honestly, you can make a case that Matthew Stafford was probably the best number one pick of those of the, of that decade. Right. Like, so, um, yeah, definitely underrated guy, but he just plays on a shitty team as far as like having bad infrastructure around him and um, a terrible head coach who probably should have been fired last year, honestly. Yep. Um, so that wraps up the lines. Um, Stafford, God bless, bro. But, you know, unfortunately, you're going to be at the bottom again. Um, so now moving on. How do I even start this? Steven, just, you know, everybody just kind of buckle your seatbelts um, because we're going to go completely ham on the Chicago Bears. Um, even though I do kind of think that they are going to be better than most people think that they're going to be, but just definitely some of the moves that they've made this off season um, are definitely kind of considered what the Jets would do. <laughs> Anytime I can throw the Jets under the fucking bus, I'm going to totally take advantage of that. That's the plus side of having my own podcast. Um, but yes, the Chicago Bears. First of all, let's start with probably the position that, you know, they're just going to trot out a bunch of tight ends because they've got, what, like nine, 18 of them maybe, you know. And they signed Jimmy Graham to a two-year, $16 million deal. Uh, Okay. (laughs) It's not 2009, guys. It's not 2009. Like, we've seen him with Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson can't, like, rejuvenate Jimmy Graham's career, and Aaron Rodgers. And oh, and Aaron Rodgers. You think that little Mitch Trubisky who – It's Mitchell. It's Mitchell, okay? No, fuck that. You have to earn that respect, okay? You're little Mitch, okay? Little bitch, <laughs> but little Mitch, you know? So, you – it's just – where can you start? You want to start with Mitchell Trubisky and them drafting him in the first round instead of going with Deshaun Watson or, you know, waiting for Patrick Mahomes? Like – First of all, you start his career with that, you're fucked, okay? Then you go into the, the fucking nine total tight ends that they got. Um, and then they trade for Nick Foles when they could have had Andy Dalton or Cam fucking Newton. So, like, this team, I feel like, is all over the place. They added Robert Quinn, who a lot of people think um, is still a very good pass rusher. Fine. Um I'll give you that. I like, I kind of like Cole commit, um, but I don't think you draft signing all these tight ends, like makes no fucking sense. You can only play maybe two, maybe slide one in at H back and you have three tight ends on the field, but I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I like Jalen Johnson out of Utah when they drafted him in round two. Um, And, you know, they fucking got Khalil Mack. Like what, what was the point of giving all of that to Raiders? First of all, Raiders are stupid. We covered that already. They wasted all, all of their ransom of shit that they got for Khalil Mack. And then, you know, the Bears just kind of squander away an elite pass rusher. So um, I kind of went in a little hard on the on the Bears, but y'all didn't hear shit yet because I'm about to unleash Sheehan. Well, you took away uh, some of those points for me, but I appreciate it because now it just lets me reiterate how horrible of a GM Ryan Pace is. If 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 I if you thought Bill uh, Bill O'Brien was bad in Houston, take that and just set him on fire, and then you Go have Ryan boy. Pace. Okay, unleash this boy. guy. I just covered him 
this for sportscasting.com. He literally took $62 million and flushed it down the toilet. All right. And I don't know about you, but there is no plunger on earth that could figure out how to get that shit through a toilet. All right. <laughs> this is what he did. First of all, first of all, after years of Jay Cutler, I mean, I'm sorry, Bears fans, that you had to endure that. I mean, this guy who I also wrote about for sportscasting.com, and you know, for one year of being a Dolphins fan, seeing him in action, this guy, Jay Cutler, made $127 million in the NFL. He finished his career with a losing record. He brought the Bears to the playoffs one time in his t- whole entire career there. So, you know, when you step in as a GM and you've dealt with that shit for almost a decade, you're, you know, you got to kind of, you got to, got to kind of get it right at the quarterback spot. So what does he do? He signs Mike Glennon, the guy that got benched for Josh McCown and Jameis Winston. He signs uh, Mike Glennon to a $35 million contract with 16 million guaranteed. All right. He lasts four games as a starter. And you know what he did? He drafted Mitch Trubisky after handing that guy 16 million guaranteed. <laughs> Not only did he draft Mitch Trubisky, guys, as you mentioned, they had the third pick. The 49ers had the second pick. They did not or were not expected to draft a quarterback. The Cleveland Browns had the first pick. They were not drafting a quarterback. Everyone knew they were taking Miles Garrett. They still traded three extra draft picks to move up one spot. And I was like, okay, they must be going to get like Pat Mahomes or Deshaun Watson because I love Deshaun Watson coming out. I, I mean, when you saw him like play against Alabama, you know, you got to have big balls to beat Nick Saban like that. So Same. I love Deshaun Watson. So I was like, okay, that's okay. If you're gonna go get through your guy, go get your guy. You're gonna spend a couple extra picks. No, he drafts Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> Let me tell you folks how bad Mitch Trubisky is, right? Little bitch, bro. Bitch, bitch. This Trubisky. guy was so bad at North Carolina, a school that plays basketball. They don't play real football there. He spent two years on the bench behind a quarterback that didn't even get drafted. Okay. That's how bad he was. He couldn't even beat out a guy that didn't get drafted in the NFL yet. He somehow became the second player drafted in a quarterback class that also had Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. There's nothing more that needs to be said. They've wasted boatloads of time, money and draft capital trying to make that kid into something. He's a terrible quarterback. Then to compound the problem, which you already wasted 16 million for four games of Mike Lennon, (laughs) <laughs> you wasted your draft picks and you gave up the chance to get Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson for Mitch Trubisky. Then you go out this offseason and you trade a fourth round pick and take on $21 million after you restructured a deal for Nick Foles, a guy that basically played well for one playoff series, you know? Yep. And this, I mean, this is a guy that the Jaguars just got rid of. The Jaguars, who probably are the worst franchise in the NFL outside of the Cleveland Browns. So they didn't even want him. After one year, he basically played a couple of games, broke his collarbone, and they said, please, someone take this contract off our hands. Ryan Pace said, sure, no problem, because I'm trying to collect the shittiest group of quarterbacks ever created. So, so <laughs> somehow the Bears have spent and committed to $62 million. They still don't have a franchise quarterback. I highly doubt Nick Foles is about to like suddenly recapture his Philadelphia Eagles playoff Super Bowl magic because – well, granted, he does get to play twice against Matt Patricia, so I'm expecting him to go for about a thousand yards for, in those two games. All right. Yeah. Um. So the Bears just have absolutely no idea what they're doing at quarterback. I don't understand how Ryan Pace is still employed. Okay. The only guy I like on offense is Allen Robinson. This is the wide receiver version of Matthew Stafford. This guy has played with the worst quarterbacks in his career. He played with Blake Bortles. He played with all that crap in Jacksonville. He's played with Trubisky and Allen Robinson is a baller. If this guy was on a real team, this guy would be considered a top five receiver in the NFL. He's a beast. Other than that, I hate their (laughs) offense. I don't like any of their running backs. I don't like Tariq Cohen. The guy's like 110 pounds. 
Now, on defense, I love their front seven. That thing is stacked. Akeem Hicks is one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the NFL. Eddie Coleman right. is a very solid nose tackle. I love, you know, you know, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Rokon Smith, Danny Trevathan. That's a great uh, linebacking core right there. But it doesn't matter because when you score two points a game, there's it's literally impossible to not at least <laughs> give up a field goal. So I think the Bears are destined to fail. I love their defense, but their offense is a mess. I don't think any of those quarterbacks are going to win. And just on top of that, when you hand Jimmy, Jimmy Graham a $16 million deal, it proves that you don't watch tape. So I'm done with the Bears. I'm done with Ryan. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's kind of the thing that we were talking about um, during the draft podcast. I think we – I don't know if you can remember back, but we were talking about, you know, size, the, you know, the arm strength of a quarterback, you know, all this shit that people just fall in love with at quarterback positions. And you're right. Like, if you can go back to that – to that um to that year where Mitch Trubisky was drafted in 2017, like where did he come from? You know, like he, he didn't win games and it's just people fell in love with a white big quarterback that could run for 10 yards and throw the rock down the field. But at the end of the day, that doesn't get you shit. So, you know, again, I just want to reiterate to our fans out there that as you don't fall in love with just the quarterback's tools, you know, like, Actually watch game film, read, watch him go through his reads, watch him look, look left and see that one player is covered and not, he's not going to go there. He's not going to force it. And he just checks it down or whatever. A check down is not a bad play. It gets you, you know, seven to 10 yards. Guess what? Second and three, you know? So that's, you know, that's what I don't get with people. And I just want to like help educate them because I'm sick and tired of hearing people and I had to hear it again this year with Justin Herbert. You know, again, we don't think he's going to be bad, but it's the talent, you know, and I just don't want people to just say he's got the talent, so he's going to be good. That's not how it works in the NFL. You see it with Matthew Stafford. So, you know, that's basically all I want to do on that. Um, we're going to move on now um, to the Green Bay Packers. Um and, you know, obviously we've covered the Green Bay Packers ad nauseum here um, on the pod with their illustrious selection of Jordan Love, which to be clear, I just want to be clear with everybody. Um, I don't we don't I don't think that we think he's going to be a bad player. It's just picking him when you have Aaron Rodgers and, you know, it just it doesn't make sense. You know, if you're going to pick him and then maybe come back in the second round and get. A, a wide receiver like uh, Jordan Prochet or whatever his name was from Texas Christian. Um, I don't actually, I don't know if it's Texas Christian. It might not be Texas. It might be SMU. Um, but my point is if you're going to get a quarterback, fine. Like we understand that, that Aaron Rodgers is what, like 36 or 35 or something. Let me look it up real quick. Great. It's not even letting, uh, he's 36. So we you we understand that you know you have to have a quarterback in place, but this guy has no help. There's I don't know if any of you guys have seen the stat where you know all these elite um, quarterbacks have touchdown passes in the three digits to first round picks, but Aaron Rodgers only has one. And I know I know you're not gonna I know you don't like Aaron Rodgers. I'm a big fanboy of Aaron Rodgers. Um, talk about talent. Holy shit. Aaron Rodgers has it. Um, it's just, 
you know, when you have your GM and, you know, you're Green Bay, so you're not going to sign many free agents in the first place. So you have to draft, draft, draft. Um, and and so that they only that he only has one touchdown to a first round pick. Like, come on, dude, you have to like recognize that. And I think that pick was Mercedes Lewis, and I think that happened last season. So I think the world of Aaron Rodgers. I know you think differently, uh, but going into the the Green Bay Packers a little bit more clear here. Um, that defense, I feel like it's definitely fucking stacked. Um, Jair Alexander, um, it's going to be his third year. I think, I believe, um, paired with Kevin King, they got two pretty good young corners there. Um, Darnell Savage, they drafted last year, who I think is going to be a beast. Adrian Amos from the Chicago bears. Um, you got the Smith brothers, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, who did a great job last year, in my opinion. Um, and the nose tackle there is Kenny Clark, um, so I think that defense is definitely going to lead that team. Um, now let's talk about a little bit for the the offense a little bit. I don't want to take your thunder, but um, I think Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, are they building to run the rock more? Because I don't know who you're going to throw to besides Devontae Adams. Um, and, you know, they signed Devin Funches, but we all know how good he is. Um, so it's going to be definitely interesting to see what Matt uh, – LaFleur is going to do, um, in my opinion, Aaron Rodgers is one of the GOATs. Um, I know you, your feelings on him because of him constantly being compared to Tom Brady because, you know, the numbers, the you know, Tom Brady always winning Super Bowls and Aaron Rodgers only has one, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, I think he's a beast, and I don't think he gets treated well um from the GM clearly cuz they never given him any fucking weapons but you know go ahead dude go have at, have at the Green Bay Packers bro especially Aaron Rodgers yeah as you uh, have alluded to I'm not an Aaron Rodgers fan but you know part of that has to do with the fact that I've actually watched the great quarterback play for 20 years <laughs> so um despite you know never getting as much love um I as him I still think Tom Brady is it's disrespectful to compare him with Aaron Rodgers because the guy's only won one Super Bowl. He's only been to one. Um, anyways, besides that, from a team perspective, um, like you said, I, I do like their defense. Uh, they have a, a very talented secondary that's been assembled over the last few draft classes. Um, Jair Alexander is definitely one of the up-and-coming elite corners in the league. Um, their linebacking core and front seven is pretty solid, although – Besides the Darius Smith and Preston Smith, I don't see a lot of pass rush potential on the team, and that's an area where I think you need a little bit more there. And I wouldn't necessarily say Preston Smith is an elite pass rusher, and Zadarius Smith gets a lot of his sacks, both of them, honestly, from a lot of good scheming and you know twists and stunts and whatnot. But Zadarius Smith was a home run signing last year, and Preston Smith definitely was solid. Um, my issue is that I just don't really see a concrete plan for this organization long-term and in the short term. So obviously, you know, taking Jordan Love sent shockwaves through Packers Nation through the rest of the NFL because, you know, you're devoting a precious first-round pick on a guy that's not going to play for at least two or three years at best. Um, how does that really help your team now, and how does that help Aaron Rodgers? Uh, it doesn't. Um, so first of all, that's a big mistake. Second of all, uh, Aaron Jones had a fantastic season last year. I have no idea why you would take uh, a running back in the second round. If anything, they really needed help at receiver. 
Um, if you're expecting Devin Funches to like suddenly make like the year seven leap, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, Devontae Adams is really the only established guy there, and he has had a lot of injury problems, um, especially to the lower body. Um, other than that, you know, they have like all these guys with really cool names like Equimania St. Brown, which is just amazing. I don't know how you like possibly came up with that name. And uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, which like, dude, can you imagine trying to fit that on a jersey? But if that's like the best part about your receiving core, also Jay Kumaro, uh, kind of a cool name. Uh, but I really don't like the receiving core. They didn't really do anything to upgrade it at all. Uh, the tight end position, like Mercedes Lewis, I'm pretty sure was like that – if he was a first-round pick, it might have been when the NFL draft had, like, 20 rounds to it because that guy's <laughs> old as hell. Um, you know, their offensive line is good at tackle. You know, Rick Wagner and David Bakhtiari is a really, really good left tackle, probably one of the top five in the league. But if your left tackle is probably, like, your second-best offensive player, and no, I'm not saying Aaron Jones is number one. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is still number one. But <laughs> I just don't really – I don't really like the construction of the offense. I don't see how they, like, improved at all. And, honestly, when you look at how they performed last year, their offense was not very good. Uh, they weren't very efficient. And Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett, like, they haven't really proven that much, even in their previous stops. So, this is going to be an interesting situation. I'm personally not very high on the Packers. I think that they're – they're like more of a wild card team to me at best. I could see them definitely being like nine and seven, 10 and six. Um, I don't think they're like this juggernaut. I think their record last year was like a total fluke and it didn't really reflect how they actually were as a team. So for me, I think they're, like I said, challenging for a wild card spot, but um, I don't really like the team. I don't think they really improved their roster like tremendously. Um, you know, Christian Kirksey is, was a good linebacker. Like, three or four years ago, but he's been injured too. And that was basically like their only major addition on defense. Uh, Rashawn Gary, I thought was a horrible first round pick last year. He wasn't even the best pass rusher on his own team in Michigan. That would be Chase Winovich, who's um, going to become, you know, the next cool uh, Inovich guy for the Patriots since we had Rob Ninkovich. Yeah. Um, so I, I just don't see, like, it's pretty crazy to me to think that the Packers are like kind of universally seen as a well-run organization. Um, but they really haven't drafted like tremendously well. Like Rashawn Gary, I, like I said, don't like, and Jordan love, like you're basically two first round picks. So I don't expect to really contribute at all to this team. Um, and you know, Kenny Clark is a good player, very good, but you don't win championships with a nose tackle. So if that's like your best overall defensive player, then I think that's an issue. Um, luckily they have a really good secondary. So that's like, the only real thing I can say that I would be high on is that they've invested a lot of high round picks in the secondary and that has to pay off. You know, they have so many like first and second rounders back there that, you know, ultimately that has to do something, but um, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Packers. Yeah. Um, I think, I think we could as much shit as we spoke about the bears. Um, you definitely could see them fight it out for that second spot. I feel like, um, but you know, again, um, it's not a seed North. I mean, you know, what can you say? Um, anyways, uh, we're going to move to the top, the top spot. Um, I think it's the, obviously it's the last team left. It's the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and you know, this team is just so well constructed that, you know, they just 15 draft picks in the draft that we saw a couple weeks ago. And, you know, that they were able to get Justin Jefferson, <clears throat> um, especially when they lost out on Stefan Diggs. And I know you'll go a little bit more into that. Um, 
Obviously, he might not be the athlete that Stefan Diggs was, but definitely has more sure hands. Um, so that was a great pick there. Uh, Jeff Gladney, if you watch tape, that guy's a physical freak. Um, just the coverage needs a little help. Um, but they just they add just players and depth, and they have, you know, uh, Kirk Cousins, who is the franchise tag king and is probably going to buy the Vikings <laughs> later on in his career with how much money he has. Um, and Dalvin Cook took a big step forward last year. Um, it's just, there's no, there's no hole here on this Vikings defense, at least not in my eyes. Um, and that defense is with Danell Hunter, um, Anthony Barr, obviously he almost left for the Jets, for the Jets, which is funny. Um, Harris, Harrison Smith is an absolute pimp back there at strong safety. Just, I don't, they don't have no glaring holes, dude. I know they added Irv Smith there to, uh, help Kyle Rudolph age gracefully there. I know Kyle Rudolph is a great tight end. Um, and you're only going to replace him with, I think a physical freak there with Irv, Irv Smith Jr. From Alabama. Um, they're, they're the fucking Vikings dude. And you know, whether you want to talk about the miss, the blown calls against the saints, um, they blew them out. Well, I don't know if they blew them out, but they took it to them last year. So, you know, I think the Minnesota Vikings is a team to be reckoned with. Um, and I think we're going to continue to see Kirk Cousins and uh, this Minnesota Vikings reign on that FC North. What do you think? Yeah, I've always been a fan of the way the Vikings, you know, construct their team. They've been one of the best drafting teams over the years. And, you know, they've done pretty well um, to keep that core together. Obviously, there's some changes now. Everson Griffin gone and some of their defensive linemen, you know, um, Linville Joseph gone. But Daniel Hunter is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Um, that defensive line is going to have to prove itself because they don't have a ton of talent outside of him, but you know, they've done well in the secondary with, to add another first round corner. They have Harrison Smith, like you mentioned, and Mike Hughes also former first round picks. Um, I love Justin Jefferson, their first round pick, um, their other first round pick who was a stud at LSU with Joe Burrow. Um, him and Adam Thielen are tremendous fits with Kirk Cousins. Uh, Dalvin Cook finally stayed healthy and showed why he was so highly regarded coming out of the draft in 2017. <laughs> uh, you know, the tight end tandem is solid. Kyle Rudolph is, you know, not a, a, an elite athlete anymore, but definitely a red zone weapon. Irv Smith, a lot of talent, very athletic, kind of that move tight end. Could kind of be sort of that Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez type of situation there with that dual tight end. Uh, system and I like their offensive line so for me this is a team where there's really nothing I would say this they don't have a ton of blue chip talent to me I don't think they have a ton of superstars but they are such a very well balanced team that they can kind of mold their game plan and as long as Kirk Cousins you know continues to be efficient and not turn the ball over um, and the defense is you know at least somewhere in that top 10 territory I think they're definitely a playoff lock um, overall, though, I would say that their defense has taken quite a few hits from the past few years, and I thought they used to be easily a top five defense, and I think they're going to slip a little bit. So now it's going to really be up to the offense. And obviously, you know, getting rid of Stefan Diggs weakens you at one spot. Yeah, Justin Jefferson slides in there, but he's not proven in the NFL like Stefan Diggs. So ultimately, I think the rest of their comp- their division is just not really as strong, and I think they kind of win by default. But I'm not quite sure they're a Super Bowl true Super Bowl contender personally also because I'm not a huge Kirk Cousins fan I think you know he's a real solid like regular season quarterback but he's kind of like that Matt Ryan where he just chokes in the playoffs so 
I think this is kind of like they don't really have very many years left with this core. You know, Kirk Cousins, yeah, they re-signed him, but how long is Mike Zimmer going to be around? How long is Gary Kubiak going to be around? Um, you know, Kyle Rudolph has been in the league for almost a decade. Uh, Harrison Smith is getting up there in age as well. Uh, so I think this is a definite playoff team, but ultimately I'm not quite sure they have the blue chip talent to compete with the likes of the saints or even the bucks or the Cowboys, the Cowboys for much sure. Stronger, have much stronger rosters. Uh, yep. me, even in the NFC West, I think the 49ers are a much more talented team. Um, you can make the argument, even the Seahawks rank. I think the NFC West, when we get to them, they're, they're stacked. I love the talent that they're, that they've assembled out there. So to me, I mean, I see the Vikings winning the NFC North, but I wouldn't say they would go any farther than maybe the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. I definitely can't wait to talk about the NFC, NFC, uh, West. Then we might have to do that in the next pod. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, anyways, um, that's pretty much it. Um, I, again, uh, we're kind of in that slow period of the NFL. Um, I know we're starting to hear news about whether they're actually going to be able to start the season. Um, what's going to go into that in terms of, you know, safety for the players and the fans. Um, so that'll be interesting to find out. Um, go ahead and follow us on Twitter. If you haven't done so yet at tack underscore turn, um, on Instagram, she had took over the Instagram, so it's actually looking pretty fly right now. It's at tackles and turnovers. Um, go ahead, and, you can follow us on Anchor, uh, Google Podcast, Spotify. The big one we're waiting on is Apple Podcast. Um, you have anything else you want to close out with, Steven? No, I'm sorry for Bears fans for uh, making you feel really bad, but um, I just wanted to get you guys prepared for the season. Yeah, we're definitely going to be more positive next pod. I mean. Again, I start off telling you guys the NFC North is going to be doom and gloom, but you know, once we get out there on the West Coast, you'll see the sun start shining and shit like that. Um, so um, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, let us know what you guys are thinking. I mean, interact with us. We're dying for that interaction here. Um, you know, with COVID nineteen going on, go ahead and follow us on all those sh- social media accounts um, and let us know how we're doing. I mean. I, I love doing this podcast with you. I think we do a really good job of um, of just covering exactly how we feel about the NFL um, based off of the stats that we see and everything that we know as sports fans growing up. Uh, but that's gonna be that's gonna be it for today. Um, we'll catch you guys next time on the next episode. All right, peace out.